but we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit, and it's so much like our relationships that we can identify with, that there's ups and downs in those relationships, there's different ways that we come together, and when two people come together and they get married, it's really about change and transformation. The two become one. They're no longer individuals. They're no longer uh, a single identity or entity, but they are becoming one. And I think that's why sometimes when you put the ring on, when you uh, say, I do, uh, the war starts. It's two becoming one is a, a work like the welding rod and the metal, the heat it takes to weld two pieces together. And I think often about the Holy Spirit and how he comes into our life and, and how he works in us. It's, it's a love-hate relationship. I think of Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. He gets driven into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And there are so many times as Christians we question, why, God, why am I going through this? Why is it so hard? If you're with me, why am I going through this? Why is it so difficult? Why the troubles? You know, why the tests? Why the trials? Why do I go from, it seems like, one problem to the next? But it's interesting, the work of the Holy Spirit is in us for us to get benefit out of everything we go through. That even the testing and the trials and the difficulties are that we might know him more. And the thing is, when we go through things and we grow spiritually, we are empowered when we come out of whatever we go through. There's not necessarily power when you're going into it. You feel hopeless, helpless, lost, defeated. But once you've gone through it, once the Holy Spirit has brought you through whatever it is, you find the strength in your spirit. You, you find a boldness that rises up from inside of you that makes you know and identify that God is with me. God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. You know, when here I feel like, I think I, the, the longer I am, I'm growing, I realize sometimes how God forms us. And my early forming of following the Lord, accepting the Lord at such a young age and being underneath authority and being raised as a Christian and being in church every Sunday, learning to serve, learning to give, all those different aspects were part of my uh, God training. I I can identify with uh, um, John the Baptist being out in the wilderness, being separated. I felt like a lot of my life was separated because of my personality, my temperament, struggling with depression, that I was isolated. But in this place of isolation, I had found something real, and it was Jesus. And as I grew into my young adult uh, age and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that a new dimension happened for me in my life. I, I found myself, because I worked janitor the first five and a half years of my life, that at night when I was working from uh, three till two in the morning, that I spent like four and a half hours a, a night vacuuming rugs and I began to intercede. I began to pray. I began to seek God. And during those uh, times of, of janitoring and just vacuuming rugs for those four and a half hours, of my last part of my shift, I'd have to go back sometimes and make sure I'd vacuum the rug because I was so caught up in, in my prayer and in my intense relationship with God that I did not even know if I would, had done my job. But the Holy Spirit, what he does is he brings, begins to bring to the forefront the giftings, the spiritual giftings that are outlined in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. The spiritual gifts that we're endowed with, that we're deposited with from God, that will cause us to live an overcoming Christian life, that will cause us to be uh, imparters, that will cause us to have fruit, spiritual fruit in our life that is evident for other people. I'm very extreme. Yes, I'm extreme. But I feel like God called me to be here with you so that you can have something because there's attention. You need attention. The world, you're in the world 
all but this hour and a half on Sunday and Thrive or maybe a home group, the world has got you. And the world is enticing you. The world is inviting you. The world is pulling you in a way that's so comfortable because you're in this earthly world. You have fleshly desires and thoughts and things that can be stimulated. And so the place of the gospel, the place of a preacher, is to be attention, to pull you back into this place where there's a perspective in God that you can get. In this time where you can feed on the Holy Spirit and once he, what he wants to do in your life, you can gain this ability to have the self-control and understand the Holy Spirit with you so that you can redirect the temptations and the pulls that you feel from the world to get you so involved and so caught up in it. You know, I, I use the word uh, initiation, that God initiated something when he created the world. And he put Adam and Eve in this garden, in this perfect environment. But then he wanted them to be tested. And obviously they missed that test and they disobeyed and they brought the whole world into sin. But God continued his work to reveal himself to man through people like Adam and Eve. When they saw that they were broken, how God clothed them. How God, even though he loved them, he drew them, he drove them out of the garden. He put up those boundaries, but he didn't leave them out there. He put into a plan that he would send his son to die on the cross to save us from sin, that his blood would be shed to make us God's family again. His blood would be our DNA. His blood would wash away our sinfulness and give us a new life, cause our, our spirits to be alive and born again and in relationship with him that we could deal with the effects of sin that was in our members and something we were born with. That was the initiation. God makes himself known through those people and through the prophets in the Old Testament. In John 4.24, Jesus declared and let us know that God is a spirit. And so our ability to connect with them has to be from our spirit to his spirit. But again, he took care of that on the cross. And he tells Nicodemus in John 3.3, a man must be born again. He must have the spiritual experience with God so that he can perceive and know God. Jesus was God in the flesh. God who became human to identify with human sufferings, to identify with every temptation that could become to man or woman. And yet, even in that temptation, Jesus resisted every temptation. Because if Jesus didn't die a perfect man, there would be no perfect sacrifice to buy us back from Satan. And so Jesus with, withstood in every test and every sin and every temptation, and he died as a righteous man, that his blood might be a righteous blood, just like Adam was before he sinned. And now we all come into the family of God through Jesus. Sin has been paid for. It's done with. What we deal with now is our thoughts, our emotions, the patterns of sin that we went through to get to the place where we realize, I need a Savior. I need to be bailed out of this sinful life. I, I need another purpose to live from. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes. Now it's the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And I kind of um, talk about it. Uh, I call it updates and upgrades. How many of you always get, sometimes at the most inopportune time on your phone, it wants to make an upgrade or an update? My daughter-in-law at Christmas time said, oh, Bruce, you need to update your computer. So she set it in motion, and I realized when I came back, Everything was formatted differently. I could hardly even understand how to do anything. And this picture, I had this picture my son got me of a tractor of Peterbilt. Big old picture on my, it was gone. It put some new little picture. And I thought like, this is not the picture I wanted. And so I had to get my son, okay, help me get my picture back. Okay, Dad, I'll help you. You know, the upgrades, you know, the things that, that uh, we don't necessarily like. But how many know we put up with the upgrades that the, the computers do to us and our phones? 
Jesus wants to upgrade you. It's the Holy Spirit. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you do things. And it's not always comfortable. I was so comfortable dealing with depression, going to church, tithing, giving, serving. I was so comfortable. But with my personality and temperament, when I was in my truck alone, just getting my assignments, doing work, I was at peace because I struggled with social anxiety and I struggled with negative feelings. God's humor, out of your weakness, I'm going to put you with people, you know? So sometimes when God is urging us on some way, sometimes in our mind we think, that's the devil, you know? Because he's leading us where we don't want to go. Didn't Jesus tell Peter when he restored him, you know, someday someone's going to lead you where you don't want to go? You know, it's the cost of discipleship. But what a wonderful thing to give way to this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But there's a person of the Holy Spirit that's now living inside of me. We all need to wake up with this revelation. I am not on my own. God lives inside of me. He is with me. And he wants to change the way I think. He wants to change the way I interpret the Bible with my head or my past experience or what someone else is telling me. I must know this word for myself. I must have you, Holy Spirit, interpret your word and make it become active in every area. I want to pursue you so that I'm experiencing everything that you have for me. But we have a total enemy to our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's the world. It's our own desires. It's our own flesh. It's our own desire to be self-protective and to build ourselves a comfort zone that can be a barrier between us and a hostile world. But it's not the way we're supposed to live. That's why God doesn't always let us know what's going to happen in the future. That's why we have to kind of take those steps with apprehension about each new day. It's because we don't know what's going to happen, and we don't have control. But the best place we're going to be in is relying on the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us move forward. In John 14, 17, Jesus advertises an upgrade. Jesus tells his disciples, now they're quite comfortable with this guy. He's, he's producing bread. He's multiplying fish. He's healing people. I mean, it's comfortable. I mean, they give up everything to follow him, but they're not having to work for anything. They're not working for their food. They're not laboring for any money. They're just walking with Jesus, watching him do the work. But I imagine this was pretty scary for them. Because Jesus said, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive cannot welcome or take its, its heart because it does not see him or know him and recognize him, but you know him. And you recognize him, for he lives within you constantly and will be in you. If, if this is just the only verse you take home and meditate this week, this is a big thing because it's who came to them at Pentecost, and it's who is available to us when we receive Jesus. But then as we grow in our hunger, that, that place of experiencing more of the Holy Spirit, saying, God, baptize me. I'm ready for the full load. I'm ready for the full download. And we get to a place in our life when we want more. I, I, I accepted the Lord in a Baptist church, and I got to this place as a young adult where I had to have more. And I started asking, God, I want this Pentecost experience. I want more. I want to sell out more to you. I want you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to follow you. And sometimes maybe you're here today, and that's scary because you kind of have a life plan. You know, don't get scared. Just take Jesus where you're at and say, God, there's part of me that wants you. There's part of me that's afraid of what you might want. Just surrender. Be honest with him. He loves that because he can work in your life right where you're at. 
He can work in you to, to come around to his ways, which are going to far outweigh any plan that you have. In fact, I, I wrote something down that a guy wrote 100 years ago, and um, his name was, uh, or is, or was, I guess, uh, Oswald Chambers. And he said this. Let me find it here. I have it. And especially goes along with, he wrote this, he was so out of his time. How many of you heard, don't we hear about self-realization today? That you've got to discover all of you are. You have to have that self-revelation. Here's what he says about self-revelation. Galatians 2.20 is a scriptural expression of identification with Jesus Christ in such a way that the whole life is changed. Paul says that his identity is no longer self-realization, but Christ's identity. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so we can get confused by the world telling us, you've got to go and find out who you are and go for that. Versus the Christian saying, I surrendered my life to have my sins forgiven and to have the promise of eternal life. But now I'm connected to you, God. And so I died to this life. I died to my plans. But now I live. But it's a supernatural resurrection life. It's a life where the Holy Spirit is downloading to me why I'm here, who God made me to be, and how he wants me to live out my life. And and initially when we start, sometimes it's scary because we have our own plans. But after a while, every greatest plan, every greatest thing we want to do when we get to the end of it in this life there's an emptiness. There's a hunger still unfulfilled. And that's where we have these regrets, like, why didn't I follow Jesus? So it doesn't matter wherever we're at or how old we get, when we get to that place where I need to follow Jesus, he takes us just where we're at, and it begins to unfold a plan. Doesn't Again, doesn't matter how old we get, there's a plan that gets unfolded that God can use you just how you are and begin to bring you into a place of fullness and fruitfulness and satisfaction that your own plan really never gets you to or gets you through. I want to talk about Elisha and Elisha. The story unfolds in 2 Kings, and it kind of promotes this topic, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask God, show me who you are. Show me who the Holy Spirit is to me. Help me to start recognizing and identifying how you're speaking to me, how you're leading me, what you want me to know, what you want me to do. Holy Spirit, you open the word of God to me as I read it. Holy Spirit, help me as I pray. You said, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would take the things that God thinks about me and the things that God wants to say to me, and he begins to tell me about those things. And that's this relationship we have. That's the edge where people want in their investing, the insider trading thing, that's what we have. It's in Jesus Christ, and it's in an and it's in the revelation of the Holy Spirit to us, enlightening our understanding in our mind, in our thinking, and going beyond that in our spirit. Sometimes the way the Holy Spirit speaks, it's so different than our thinking. But when we hear those messages that he's speaking to our heart, they make total sense. And then when we act on them, we, we begin to see the, the miraculous happen. We begin to think, wow, this is really something that, that God is saying to me. And this is how he's speaking to me. I had this little thing he met, God messed with me one time, but he really showed me how he was with me. I'm driving to work, and I, I worked out on the back roads. I went up Metcalf Road. I went up San Felipe Road to, to the Rocket Ranch where I worked. And I was walking, and I thought maybe a mile down the road, I saw this dog coming down the hill. 
And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to hit that dog. And I said, oh, no way. There is no way I'm going to hit that dog. So I backed off. I'm going like 50 miles an hour to the league alone. All of a sudden, that dog came out of nowhere and boom, I hit him. But you know what? Because I had backed off and gotten slow, he just brushed off my bumper. And I thought like, wow, God, here you were telling me something. You, you were so real in this moment to tell me how you lead and you speak. And it just excited me about my whole day to just be open. You know, sometimes as we're praying, just being open, knowing in that consciousness that God is with me and, and waiting to hear for him to speak to you. He can speak in the most profound ways. He can give you little nuggets that are going to make you laugh. He can encourage you about a problem. As you're praying about something that's heavy on your heart, you can all of a sudden feel like it's just it's lifting off and you have this confidence, but it comes from your spirit that God's going to answer this, that he's going to take care of it. How many have already experienced some of that? Yes, that's what I want to encourage you in. It's that God who's now living in you. He's moved himself down to live inside of these little human vessels. The God of the universe, the spirit of God who's everywhere, is now living inside our little human spirit. That's awesome. You know, Elisha started this journey with, with uh, Elijah. And obviously, Elisha had a call. He had an awareness. Because God tells Elisha to go, go call Elisha to, to begin to follow him. And Elisha seems like he might have been like a kind of a wealthy landowner. And he's out plowing with 12 yoke, and a, yoke of oxen. He's got 12 oxen. He's plowing the fields. And on that day, Elisha invited him to come and call so Elisha says, I'm going to go say goodbye to my parents, but I'm going to go. But he makes a sacrifice of a team of, of oxen there to the Lord and burns his yoke. And it's a, it's a typical thing of like making this, this declaration where you have these God moments of, of experiences where everything changes in your life. It's those life-changing moments where you readjust and you follow God a little bit closer, a little bit tighter, a little bit more stringent. And Elisha had this experience, and so... I don't know if he fully knew what it meant to follow Elijah. Maybe he thought just God wants me to be a servant. And when God makes transitions in our life, sometimes we have this goal like it's going to be some great thing. But I'm saying stay humble. Follow the Lord. Be obedient in the little things. And if, if that's all you ever do is serve, be happy. I was a janitor. I started when I was a kid at church janitoring. I was a janitor. I was a young adult. I was janitoring. I thought my whole life was going to be janitoring. But I just kept being obedient. I kept my relationship with God. I kept trying to follow the Lord. I kept saying yes, even those things that were hard. And I found out he keeps opening doors for us. And when he opens a door for us and you go through it, is it challenging? Yes. Is it hard? Is it going to stretch you? Yes. But God is going to cause you to grow into a place that you never would have grown to had you not said yes to him and followed him. So that's what Elisha is going through. He's, he's making these choices. He asked for a double portion of his spirit, of Elisha's spirit. And I would throw out that question today. Where you are in God, would you ask God for a double portion? Would you say, God, I want double? Maybe there's someone you're looking to or someone you've seen or something in the Bible you, you relate with. Would you ask a double portion? And I, when I wrote this, I, I said, I have a real apprehension about praying that way because I know it costs. I know to say yes for God and to ask for something bigger that you know is putting on your heart, it's asking for a deeper level of surrender, of submission. Jesus said if you're going to build a city, count the cost. If you have enough money 
to get all the way to the end where you don't just have something partially built and it's not finished. You know, if you ever drive into Mexico, there are all these little places that people have started and they're, they're not finished. When we used to go uh, to Manadero on mission trips, we'd see the same places over six years' time. And they had been there for years in advance, but they were never finished. They weren't continually being built on. The rebar was getting rusty. The, the place was being weathered. God's asking us, if we ask him for that double portion, be willing to step in. And if you want to step in, but you're scared, say, oh, God, help me to take the next step. Help me to take the next step because I think you want me to ask for the double portion, but I'm scared. And those kind of prayers, God's going to take you through your insecurities and your fears, and he's going to take you to that next step or that next level. Our key verse for today is 2 Kings 2.9. And so it was when Elijah and Elisha had crossed over Jordan that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Who knows how long Elisha had been serving Elijah. But by then, it seems like Elijah, from just the way the Bible reads, Elijah had some kind of expectation that Elijah was going to be taken. So he was already tracking with God. He has already had his character developed. When he's out there, when he was out there with those 12 elk of oxen, oxen, there was something already being developed in him. He had some kind of a God consciousness for him to be ready. And so he he's, has this perception that something is going to happen. So Elisha responded to Elijah's question, and he said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Jesus asked, said, Ask. And Luke eleven thirteen. and I wish all of you would memorize this scripture, and I wish you would pray this every day. Even an evil father who knows how to give good gifts to his kids, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him and keep asking? The Amplified Bible says you ask for the Holy Spirit and keep asking. Why? Because it keeps a consciousness that I cannot do this life on my own, especially the Christian life. And so every day, and there are different moments of trying moments during the day that you need to ask the Holy Spirit. I was in an incredible situation last Saturday with my son. We just happened to go to a coffee shop. We were, we were waiting. The girls were off doing something. And we were just talking. And my son, very respectful, asked this guy for a chair. You know, his four chairs are, and he was sitting there on the phone, and he just goes off on my son. And whoa, I thought like, wow, God, I felt like such anger. I felt like all of a sudden I felt like I could be in jail right now. <laughs> whoa, I go, where did this anger inside come from? And he was talking to the person on the phone about how rude this person was. And I thought, wow, my son just asked if he was going to borrow a chair. He didn't want to, you know, take something if you have people coming. And I just found myself at the end. I thought, wow, God, look at how easy I can get in my flesh. And I started praying, oh, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Then I started praying, obviously, this man's got some things going on, Lord. And I haven't prayed for him ever since. God bless this man. God, help this man to come to know you. But my initial reaction, whoa, I would be in trouble. And, and yet I see, like, how neat it is to have the Holy Spirit, to realize the Holy Spirit is living in me so I can check my attitude. I can ask forgiveness for my attitude. I can say, God, please purge my heart from whatever is going on there and the anger that got triggered. And, Lord, God bless this man. Obviously, there's things going on beyond what I understand. And to be able to realize God is right there. He can check us from getting in trouble. He can check our attitude. He can give us a reverse attitude where we begin to love people. 
that can work in our marriages too. God, help me to connect. God, help me to understand my wife. Help me to understand my husband. Help me to have a deeper care. Help me to be able to bridge these gaps of walls and things that we have to work through because we trigger different things in our lives that have happened and we bring baggage into our relationships. It can help us in the church where we have relationships with people and there's things sometimes that come up and we have to move forward. Now the enemy will tell you, oh, this is not the right church for you. Go on, go on down the road. No, stay here, work it out. Don't move until God throws you out. No, that's what I did. I had to wait and then God threw me out to go start a church. You know, I'd still like to be there, you know. In 2 Kings 2.10, Elisha said to Elisha, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So he already has the parameters of how he's going to receive a double portion from Elijah. Now, did you know Elijah and Elisha's relationship was a prelude, an Old Testament picture of what Pentecost would be? In 2 Kings 11, then it happened, as Elijah and Elisha continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Suddenly, a spiritual change. This is the day that the Lord has made. There's something happens in those prophetic moments where you can know a judgment has happened. And in the days and the time that falls, you can decide, am I going to go back to the old ways of thinking? Am I going to go back to the old ways of unforgiveness? Or am I going to move forward? Is this going to be a defining moment where spiritually I move forward with God and everything begins to change because I'm stepping into what God has for me? Elijah was left alone. Again, like the disciples with Jesus when he ascended into heaven. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to all of his followers after he would leave. Again, that condition. A powerful person must go so a more powerful person can come on the scene. I tell you, when Jesus came, Jesus said, it is so important that I go away. And all of us, how many of us as Christians, I've longed for a day, just one day, to be with you, Jesus, to see your face, maybe just to hold you, just for one moment. And and I would say to myself, it would change my life. But Jesus says, greater is us who believe who haven't seen, because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the man of more power now living inside of us. But we have to have this revelation shift and shake the cobwebs of our natural thinking and how we look at things as uh, just fleshly people. We have so many impossible situations that that face us, but we have an impossible God living inside of us, generating a faith, having something in us that we go beyond what anyone else would go, and we ask bigger. We press in bigger. We go boldly to tell someone about Jesus or to confront a situation that everyone knows about. We just leave that elephant in the room. But we, we so desire to see people change that we are the ones that step up and say something, that we offer change, that we offer something to someone, a prayer even. You can feel so impossible about a situation, but open your mouth, lay your hands on the person, and pray for that miracle. It's not you that has to do it. It's God. You put him under obligation when you ask, when you pray, when you simply are obedient to what the Holy Spirit's asking of you. Again, Elijah is a foreshadow or type of Jesus going off into heaven, but leaving a greater mantle and a greater portion. That foreshadow of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In 2 Kings 2.12, and Elijah saw it, And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So Elijah saw, Elisha saw Elijah no more. Think of those disciples. 
even on the mountain, I think it's in uh, Matthew, it says that here Jesus is ascending. He showed himself to all of them. And then it says right there where it's saying, Jesus is talking to them right before that. It says, and some doubted. That means even the disciples who saw everything that were in their human head and their human understandings, who had all the opportunities and benefits that the disciple could have, were so eyewitnesses to all the miracles and people being raised from the dead. When Jesus is showed himself again and now he's going to he's sending into heaven, some doubted. Excuse me, I think I like being in this side where we have to take it by faith. And we have to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, that a resurrected Jesus and God himself are resident in our life through this spiritual presence and power. We have to keep activating it. I think if we all felt God in the fullness of his power, we'd drop dead. Think of it. A lot of us, sometimes we want to feel, feel something, and that's just our soul trying to bring God into this natural place. But the fact is, he is in this natural place. But it says, Jesus said, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom. There's not an understanding in our humanness this side of the fall, this side of where we, where we need grace to be received and, and be born again, that we can fully experience God in our five senses. It's by faith. It's in our spirit. That new place that's alive. That place that's going to go to heaven and wait for the resurrection body. When this thing gets pulled out of the grave, if we don't last till Jesus comes back and it, gets, it takes on a supernatural form, that's when our natural understanding will finally match what we know in our spirit and what we go by in our faith. Again, the eyewitness accounts. Elisha saw Elijah go. Acts 1.9, Now when Jesus had spoken these things while his disciples watched, he was taken up and in a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? I'm sure that was kind of like a sad moment, I think. You know, when you see your leader gone, and you know now everything's going to fall on you, that's what Elijah was facing. Oh, my. Elisha wonders, where is my double portion of the Spirit? It's now on him, but he's, again, he's totally caught up. It's totally like us. We're totally caught up in our humanness. What are we going to do? Our humanness is not going to do anything for us. Second Kings 2.12 continued. And Elisha took hold of his own clothes, and he tore them into two pieces. I think that speaks of Elijah's frustration. I think oh, I felt a lot, you know, when we got called and we made this big change. I remember walking out of my pastor's office. He has a book I've never read about church planning. And um, I was so angry. I was so frustrated because in my humanness, I thought, I'm going to go start this church in Hollister? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is ludicrous. What am I doing? I was thrown out of the boat. But it's that same frustration that Elisha is having. He tears his clothes. I didn't tear my shirt. I was smart. I knew if I tore it, I'd have to buy a new one. So he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. I think it's a reality that sometimes we, in that defining moment that this is the day the Lord has made and we're making a transition, that it's scary. But somehow deep inside when you embrace that moment and you say, I'm done, maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something you're doing that's wrong. 
I'm done. There's some kind of resolve that comes into your will, and then the Holy Spirit can help our weak will when we say, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot live like this anymore. I cannot be in this place anymore. I must live differently. I must follow Jesus. Those are those defining moments, and that is identified with the tearing of those clothes that Elisha did. It's like the cross, the surrender of your natural life and will to do something you know God wants you to do. We take up our cross by surrendering something that keeps us from following Jesus. The mantle is the Holy Spirit. It represents the call of God and the gifts of God's God and our responsibility to God. In 2 Kings 2.13, Elisha also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Faith in what we can't see the Holy Spirit's power. I remember when we were ordained and we started this walk with God, I kept surrendering. I thought like, man, now I'm ordained. What am I doing? But I kept saying yes. And then I, in the reality of the moment, I realized, what are you doing? You're getting deeper in this thing. You've, seen, you've been in church your whole life. You don't want to be a pastor. What am I doing? I keep saying yes to Jesus. I keep saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And then in 1999, when they prayed over us and anointed us and said, you're going out, and I knew it was what God wanted because he'd been working with me for four years, saying, I don't like where you're at. I want you to go full time. Now I'm doing it. It's equally frustrating. But the mantle I took on was I knew I was called. I knew this was the next step, and so I, so I said yes. So to me, it's like Elijah. He's, Elisha, he's holding this mantle that represents this great prophet. Now he has it, but he's feeling like I have no power connection with this thing. But the mantle, the call of God over each one of our lives is exercised in the fullest of the power of the Holy Spirit through our weakness and in spite of our weaknesses. We try to refine ourselves. We try to correct our weaknesses. For years, I try to cover my depression and everything. Now, the last five or five or six years, I've just been open about it. You know, I deal with it. But my weakness helps me go to Jesus. It helps me to surrender more to God. It helps me go get from God what I can't get on my own. And the world says, oh, pump yourself up, build your mind up. Well, that works a little while, but eventually you have to deal with the emptiness. You can only lift weights for so long. Freddie, you can only hold that 500-pound bar up so long, right? And then eventually, you've got to let it down. That's where we need the Holy Spirit, in our weaknesses. We surrender to the active power of the Holy Spirit, and we think like, wow, why have I carried it for so long? You know, why am I killing myself with this? Enoch, will you come? We have like three minutes. So he picked up that mantle that had fallen. Ignorantly, he thought some great thing was going to happen. So he just picks up the mantle. Second Kings 2.14 Elisha struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He had not yet known that the mantle was on him. The power of the Holy Spirit had been transferred to him because he had obeyed. He had been there when Elijah went. But he had no physical feeling. There was no manifestation. He picks up this old, it was probably old and tattered by then, this mantle that Elijah carried, this cloak that he wore. And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elijah crossed over. I tell you what, the Holy Spirit, God has something he wants you to cross over. There's this defining mark that has marked you and limited you. But I tell you, there's a defining thing that you're going to cross over because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's living inside you. A loving Jesus has now given you the loving presence to be within you that you can cross over, that you can overcome.
Elijah did not realize he had the double portion until he acted on it. He had taken the mantle, representing God, that cloth. The power was released because he had obeyed. Believe, act on the Holy Spirit by faith in God's word and what God's saying to you. Take him wherever you go. Will you stand? Now it's one minute to 12, and I'm not going to keep you. But if you need prayer today, the altars are going to be open, and people will pray with you. You can leave here with your burdens lifted. You can leave here more excited about your life. If you have any fears about following Jesus, it kind of goes with the territory, but let someone pray with you. Let those fears be put on the Lord. You could walk out here in your mind now be, the enemy could even be on your mind, oh, now I've got to do this, I can do that. A lot of times the enemy tries to get us off on weird actions. Simply say, start praying, God, just whatever you want. I mean, in the four years I knew God wanted me to do full-time, I would have these dialogues with God, but I knew there was going to be something that happened that would move me to where he wanted me to go. But I, I dialogued with God. God, whatever you're asking, it's bigger than me. You're going to have to work out what you want. Lord, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit. I pray that every person here would just be able to receive more of you, would be able to just take you in, Lord, and they would replace, Lord, anxiousness and fears and doubts and worries and problems and the things that they face for comfort and answers and grace and your presence and peace and hope and joy. Bless each one as they go in Jesus' name. So if you need to stay, stay and people will pray. Have a great week. God bless you. Shame 